0: And welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here and not joined by Francis Murphy for a bonus episode of the once loved, perhaps once missed, Captain's Log Project. That's right, this is actually our first interview special and we're best to start then with the multi-hyphenate author, actor, editor, archivist and producer Larry Nemechek. And those are just some of the many credits to his name. He is mostly known by Trek fans as the author of the classic bestseller Star Trek The Next Generation Companion as well as portraying Dr. McCoy in the Star Trek Continues web series which he was also a creative consultant. However many will also know him from his weekly podcasts features and Trekland Trek's custom tours and fan experiences. As you can imagine we were delighted to steal some of his time for this interview which was conducted by our very own Francis Murphy back in May, I may have to apologise for the delay to both Fran and Larry for the backlog of Bond podcasts which have caused this one to be released three weeks later apologies to you both for that This was a fascinating interview in which topics discussed were things like the nature of modern fandom for Star Trek, as well as touching on the recent Discovery and Picard series, with the odd minor spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen those, particularly I think for Discovery, and a great many more things. Okay, that's enough from me, and I'll pass you over to Fran and Mr Nemecic. Enjoy.
1: So I'd like to welcome Larry on onto a special edition of the Capiche filmcast. Um I Francis Murphy will be taking this uh this cast solo. Um given the the focus on Star Trek here. Um I just want to thank you Larry for taking the time to uh talk to talk to us. Um take some time out of your day. How's well, things how's you. things been during the the COVID-19 pandemic for yourself?
2: Uh well, it like it is for everyone, just trying to stay safe and stay stay sane and get used to how everything looks going through a corona filter.
1: <laughs> how it looks and feels. Definitely but
2: we're doing okay. Doing
1: okay. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, obviously, we don't have a massive amount of time. Um, there was a number of things we'd we'd kind of we'd looked at talking about on this. Um, I, I don't think it would be realistic to to go through hundreds of different things because um, we'd only have a few seconds to talk about each. <laughs> Um, so, is there any anything in particular? I mean, you were mentioning um, the evolution of inexperienced fandom, and I think uh, I'm, I'm particularly interested to hear what, you know what your thoughts are on that.
2: Oh, uh, well, that that's kind of one of the subtexts of what I've always been interested in. I, I guess um, it kind of uh, when I say inexperienced fandom, I think everyone has gotten. I think average people are a lot more media savvy than they were. You know, like say in the 60s or the 70s. Yeah. And, and, and TV and radio production, media production were this kind of mystery thing that you didn't No one, you know, the average person didn't know about unless you were born into some royal family that lived in Los Angeles or New York or something. Yeah. Um, you know, London or whatever. But, um, but no, the, the coming of the internet, coming of social media, like the, you know, the 100 channel universe, the 500 channel universe. We're just being drowned in media all the time. And part of the thing of people trying to, you know, fill up channels of stuff, (laughs) it may all be junk, but at least it's all there. And eventually a lot of that turns into just more talking heads on everything, on every kind of, you know, sports and politics and everything. But it's just more people have more media in their face. And then when you throw in like all the genres and the people that all people always inherently love making of, I think they do anyway. That's what I always, you know, loved. Um, that's what I wound up, you know, working in. And yeah, it just come a long way since like the making of Star Trek was. It didn't hit me till way later that the making of Star Trek, cl- the classic book from you know the second season of the original series, wasn't just about Star Trek. It's like there had been nothing out about just explaining how basic television works. And if and if people haven't read that, even though it's it was written in the sixties, a little of it's dated, but. 95% of it is still true about how a TV show is put together, and especially one like Star Trek. But it was really like a, a textbook on how it went. And I didn't realize at the time that there weren't just books laying around like that telling average people how TV was put together. And so this whole generation of like Star Trek people, the 60s, 70s, 80s generation, also learned about how, how TV is made. And anyway, so that's you know, it's a much further abroad than that across the board. And, and now we've you know now with podcasters,
1: yes, <laughs> and
2: yeah, everything, everybody's got media. You know, we don't even we don't just know about media. We all, um, you know, people do. The whole fan film movement was people doing movies on a, on their laptop. You know, at home.
1: Exactly. So,
2: yeah, it's yeah media is just accessible, and um, people get the behind the scenes. So when you've got a fandom people can be much savvier talking about the ins and outs of casting and budgeting and visual effects and location shooting and you know whatever screen capture i mean you know name it and we're we're so far along from where we were
1: i mean uh, it's kind of, it's crazy i mean even if you think about 10 years ago um, been able to have a conversation ten, fifteen years ago, even with someone from the United States, from from uh, Britain to the United States, might have been a big long distance call. It would have been an entirely different thing. Um, yeah, well, it...
2: and I've been saying, you're talking about surviving Corona. Just ten or fifteen years ago, we all would have been much more insane because we would have been locked in our bunkers.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Before. We're able to reach out and just stay connected and and beat this down, much less do something constructive with it
1: absolutely absolutely um it was, one thing I'm particularly interested in is um I was fascinated by star trek continues um obviously you were you were involved with that um what I particularly enjoyed about that was the way that they were they were able to take the uh aesthetic and it really felt like the the show was you know you could slightly um you know if you were looking at it askew you could be tricked to believing that it actually was a continuation of the of the original show um in terms of how people got involved with that then that's that is a massive amount of inexperienced fandom isn't it that's people being able to to there must have been so many people who who were learning during that process is that something that you were experienced learning? When you were there, yeah,
2: when you said learning, you learning what? Uh, media production or,
1: or? Yeah, um, obviously there'd be volunteers, um, working on various aspects of it. Um, what was that experience yeah. like? Being able to bring in people and 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 interact with them, people who maybe weren't weren't traditionally involved in in that kind of world.
2: Yeah, well, it was a it was a really interesting mix of people. It was, you know, it was all Vic's, uh, Vic's passion project, and and after two, it took two or three shows to really, although it was pretty much there from the beginning, but as far as behind the camera, behind the scenes, it took what, maybe three shows for everything to really, uh, episodes to really gel. And in the beginning, no one knew where that would go. He self-funded the first one just to do it, and who knew? No one had any idea it would take off the way it did. It was really just about people putting something out there that they love. And, you know, back way back, like seven years ago, which is when this was actually, it was 2012. Um, the, it was the bait, the binding factor was basically that you were insane. Original series, a Star Trek fan, and especially an original series fan. Yeah. And part was the excite. Uh, what we just talked about this, the whole technology in a box on your lap, you know, literally your laptop, um, that that whole backyard in your garage kind of feeling that you can, you know, we can do a show. And you'd had enough fan films by then that, it, you know, it'd been 10 years or so. But when you've got somebody who, when you combine being a Star Trek fan with being a professional performer or uh, entertainer or crew person, you know, uh, an artisan in some way like that, um, when you combine the, when, you, when it's your hobby and your work, and it's like, you know what? We can do better. We can take this to a whole nother. It just becomes a kind of a self fulfilling. Let's do that within yourself. And that was where Vic was. It's like I we can do better than this. I can I I love this, but let's take it one step more. Let's really 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 become. And people were kind of mystified by this, but it really is like historical recreation. A lot of people yes, would say yeah. That's a fan film, but you couldn't help but put it through the filters of modern time, whether that was visual effects or, like, you know, uh, letterboxing sixteen 4 whatever it was. But if you really wanted to recreate, say, a real fourth season and be 1970, um, it really was like a historical recreational, you put yourself in that mind frame. But anyway, it was just a matter of gathering people who either were truck fans and insane, um, you know, professionals, or people who were insane, crazy, just like, makers that that were a step away and could learn it, you know, whatever, put the and some people were more Trek fans and some people were, were not actors. They were Trek folks, but they were next door to acting. Uh, you know, it was just an amazing amalgam. And there were some people, a lot of it was like young kids that, that were in college or they had met on, in college on the tour and kind of like one by one, put this, put this, this gang together, this, <laughs> like this traveling sideshow came together. And then it was, it had to be people who could afford to all, Take off for a week or ten days, yeah, you know, and come to Georgia, and which was a financial thing people had to you know deal with, and and um, because it was everybody self funded, There was a little bit of help later on for just people's basic uh, travel stuff. But yeah, it was just an amazing. It, but it was re, a Vic's relentless drive to get this done and find people to plug all the holes. And then after you know after the first one or two, then it became um, a magnet. Yeah, you had people. Um, so there wasn't a shortage of people to help after the, after we got going, and and then especially on camera, the guest stars and the people who were in genre shows that thought it was a lark. And then yeah, when it got so popular, it was easy to convince people to come over to. You know, it was easy to convince the John Delanceys and the Cass and Vars by the end of it. Yeah, uh, to come.
1: It. And it must have been incredible to you know to 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 see them perform as well, to to be able to uh, you know to actually experience that um, as part of a collaborative project that, w- that was being done for fans you know. Um, oh yeah, incredible. Colin
2: Baker, you know everybody there were just like anyone there were you know bits and pieces not you know even if it was just a you know a, a view screen cameo which is what the you know what all real. "Quote unquote," real Star Trek would have done over the years too. It's you know, interesting, it's actually,
1: up. with Colin Baker being a that, that's um, pull, pulling through from Doctor Who, isn't it? Um, we uh, had a but, lot of fun. Yeah, There's
2: videos.
1: W- yeah, De- definitely nice to see him on the screen as well. Um, yeah. What I'm quite curious about, uh, and I was particularly interested to ask yourself this, because of the extensive writing you've done about Star Trek, and you've been in, you know, you've been involved with numerous of the the actual on screen. Um, television shows and movies. Um, obviously, we've got a more modern Star Trek um, uh, that that's come out. And when I say more modern, I, I probably would be referring more to Star Trek Discovery, in the sense that they've they have effectively visually updated the show um, in a way that maybe certain fans feel isn't fully in line with that kind of historical accuracy or you know what things might have looked like. As someone who's so involved in uh, uh, you know. And, and knows so much about that visual continuity of Star Trek. How did you feel about that when Discovery uh, came out and things were slightly different? <laughs> well, uh, the, the thing
2: about Discovery is that people, you know, yeah, a lot of people were upset with, I'll say the visual canon continuity. They, they paid, there was a lot of attention paid to conceptual, like timelines and all of that. Even though people were upset that Michael was created as the, Foster child of Sarek and Amanda that no one knew about. Well, we would had that with Cybok too. Yes, yeah. And I have a, here's the thing. I have, a, and I'll say right off the top, uh, I have a, I'm a big, you're right, I'm a big visual, but I had a big problem with the, mainly it, when I was said and done, even the Klingon redesign, I'm like, look, I, I'm i a, I'm a retconner from way back. I have been smoothing cannon gaps way before it was controversial. So because that's the appeal of Star Trek is the fact that it's this it's not just like any other major aspirational adventure franchise out there. The fact is that Star Trek's never to use an overtired phrase, it's never rebooted. Yeah. There haven't been five different restarts of Star Trek like there were uh Superman or or Batman or or Spider-Man, you know, um every 2 years or every 5 years. So everything everything was just explained away as a different era or what have you. I mean, the coming of Next Generation saying it was 78 years after the original series, that was just so much genius that we didn't even really comprehend at the time. I don't think they did either. Mm -hmm. It was just a way to cast a new cast without recasting the original cast and then take advantage that 20 years of real time and production time had gone by But, you know, so here we're doing a uh, we're doing a sequel, which bothered people. That was part of it was whether or not you treated original series era. I kept saying, look, World War Two movies have been made every decade since World War Two. And you can tell what decade they were made in. But no one changes the shape of a German helmet. Exactly. No one. No one changes what a Sherman tank looked like. Um All the insignia, you know, the Nazi, the the Black Cross and the the British Circle and the American Star all stay the same on everything. The Red Zero and the Japanese. So it's like the point there is that the design stays the same. The materials might change the same it's made of. What changes is the cinematography, the framing, the lighting, you know, the quality of the tech media. Mm -hmm. Those things keep changing. And that's what could have and I wish had happened with Discovery. But what happened is you had a cadre of people making Star Trek. When they say we're going to do canon, they're thinking about conceptual canon and virtual canon, I mean, visual canon doesn't, isn't, it's it's a blind spot. And you suddenly, you quickly got it how a lot of people, when they say canon, they're thinking words on a page canon, not a mm-hmm. look. And that caused a division. And it could have very easily been a marching order. And all the people that said, well, you can't do 1966 because people in 2017 wouldn't accept it well no you you do what you did with the original series in say in a mirror darkly in enterprise which
1: exactly yes yeah
2: they are yeah or you do with the models what they did in trials and tribulation which wasn't even cg they built physical models of the k7 station and the and the cruiser, the d7 and yeah. the enterprise they just made them on a higher you just said look we just couldn't get this much detail we didn't get that close In 1967, but now we are. And now you can see all this detail that wasn't there. So there are ways around that. What my basic bottom line is, it didn't have to be, it was a false choice. It didn't have to be an either or. You could have had both, but that wasn't the flow from the top. That wasn't the marching order from the top because a creative designer is going to want to go out and impress their peers and look fresh and new. No one wants to be derivative and and duplicated unless that's set as the creative challenge. And the bottom line to all this story and visuals is that Discovery had such a troubled birth. (laughs) It was a beloved child, but it had such a troubled birth. It had about three or four parents, you know? Yeah. um, Amazing that it ever got done in the first place. If there had been any other show and situation, it would have been, it would have yanked the plug and it never would have seen the light of day. But it did because it was a Star Trek and it was launching a new arm of of a cbs something that high profile so it was gonna we're gonna land this plane by god i don't care who we have to teach to fly the plane along the way which that wasn't what happened so anyway so yeah i've i was disappointed. what's funny is that as finally people settled down and the people rose to the top running the show you saw revisionism happening in real time and they even got meta about it yeah and made of it and by season two you know, you've got Pike saying, "Oh, we're going to rip out the holograms." I was, I kept saying, "They're just going to figure out at the beginning." I was just going to figure out that um, touchscreens and holocoms cause cancer, and they're going
1: to. <laughs> Do you know? Um, uh, but that—that's it. I mean, it, it could. Uh, I guess that's the challenge for the writer, isn't it? Um, I, I remember before Discovery came out, I'm um, talking to a friend of mine and saying you know you could almost have had a battlestar galactica style uh setup where the federation had to de-tech itself because of some kind of klingon attack or virus or something like that and that would have explained why everything looked so low tech They were because i think even in the yeah. ca- the cage you had um uh, paper printouts didn't you um Jeff? Well,
2: that, like the paper printout went away like they didn't even use that in the series they they realized real quick that look yeah up- yeah i mean uh it... Yes. I mean, what I laugh about is, look, it took 20, 25, 28 years to finally explain without looking overly clunky, and it was still overly clunky, and to settle the internal debate about, oh, we don't have to do that. Oh, yes, we should. But it took 25 years to get the right mix of people to just explain the Klingon foreheads, when half of the world was saying, it's just a different era in production. You don't have to explain that. But you had you know, Mike Sussman and Nanny Cotto were no, 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 we need to explain this, it's getting ridiculous. And that took 25 years, so yeah, eventually all of this stuff is going to get smoothed out, someone's going to go, there'll be another pendulum swing of who's in charge, another era, and, but we're already getting that, we're already getting that just from Discovery to Picard to, to the, uh, everything down the pike, so to speak.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, uh, I like the turn of phrase there, I have to say. Uh <laughs> Yeah, because obviously we do have that that upcoming um new program uh with captain pike and the enterprise um but there's also i mean obviously picard we could we could discuss that i mean i i felt personally i was a lot more open to to things being different because again like the next generation it was set in the future it was it was further along the timeline
2: right Right. Um, Which everyone, uh, people have been clamoring. That's why I knew that, I mean, Picard wound up being controversial in a few ways, but I think there were more conceptual, um, you know, problems or issues than they were um, visual. I think people were pretty much, once you were over the hump, you were pretty pretty happy about that. I mean, until the very end, then people didn't like the copy and paste fleets on both sides. (laughs) Oh yeah, but it sounds like that was a necessity of the of the timing, but th- that even they have their limits on finances and everything. But um, but yeah, I I just Picard was so different than Discovery just out of the gate. I mean, they the the moment uh, Sir Patrick stepped on that Vegas stage at STLV, the world the internet melted down mm-hmm. with this, and everybody it was suddenly it was totally one eighty different than what the Discovery experience had been, and everything that everybody said. From Sir Patrick on down was just you know it was beloved you couldn't you couldn't not like the show now, once it got going, people found ways <laughs> the haters found ways to hate or the or the the trolls found things to troll about, but yeah, the whole experience was so much different. it was just going to be the Golden child. it was so much like you know and now we're into strange new worlds, and people you know second season, which I kept saying the second season of discovery will be different because it has to be because it's got you know it was just it was not a. It was not a bastard birth the second season. And even though they replaced the showrun, the top two showrunners got fired four or five shows in. The rest of the, the the well-oiled machine had been set up enough that it kept going. And overarching all that, though, was... I, I think people were excited about Spock. I think CBS intended for Spock to be, oh, look, we're having a Spock. And I think everybody loved Anson Mount and having the... P- I don't think anybody at CBS had any idea that Anson Mount was going to... that Pike was going to take over in people's, you know, hearts, the way it happened. They were all too happy. I was really glad to see them react and go, you know, they're not stupid. It's like, look, the the public is demanding this. We've got the Section 31 show on the launching pad because people love Michelle Yeoh. And that wasn't part of the original plan either. But my God, this like blows that out. Not to, you know, not to compare and contrast here too much, but the demand and the out of the box, love for Captain Pike and Anson Mount, and the whole, re- and then by extension, it wasn't Spock leading it and Ethan Peck leading it, but it was all caught up in the glow, and and Rebecca Romain and number one, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, we'd be stupid not to respond to this. And then finally, they, you know, the that was going on and going on. You just said, come on, guys, are you so ra- are you so t- uh, tone deaf that you're not paying? And obviously, they were all along. Oh yes, they certainly were. You know, which is heartening. It's like, yay, they are paying attention to the fan base they haven't canceled section 31 but they've just bumped pike up in the in the production order to, to be the next show which which is healthy and smart i mean it's smart for everybody it's good for the it's good to have back where the peak burman years you know in, in early fandom there was always fans were always like ah paramount no nbc and who paramount they don't understand they're doing stupid things or, yeah you know, and it was like this batting heads and then but by the peak burman years. The, by the end of it, I think a lot of the newer fans had that whole. You go back and read the early stuff, and you know the the when you were having the mail campaign to renew the original series, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, and and don't kill Spock off in Wrath and all that kind of thing. There was a lot of fan versus the studios are stupid, and poor Gene is just caught in the middle. <laughs> that was all. By the end of, by the time the fanboys were well, you know, people would uh, scream about Rick Berman this and Rick Berman that. But the the people hands on the show by the time it was Manny Coto and and Ron Moore and Ira and all the fanboys and girls had kind of have kind of worked their way to the top. There was a real we're all. Sense of we're all uh, rowing the boat the same direction. Like no one's counter. We all have the same goals. Mm-hmm. The fans want better Star Trek, and Paramount goes, "Hmm, if we make what the fans want without it being chaotic, I mean, if we, you know, if we, if we go in the same direction, we'll make more money." <laughs> so it's like everybody kind of got online. It's just there's times when you have a learning curve or new people, and that's what happened here. It took a while for all the. The synergy to get into place there as far as attitude. And it really happened with Picard uh, and eventually bubbled up. People had differences over over the way things went. And now, Pike, Strange New Worlds, I mean, Discovery was, we're going to start a new platform network. We want a Star Trek. What's that going to look like? Who wants to give us one? That's how that started. That's Mm -hmm. how Discovery started. Picard started as a, ooh, let's have a brain trust meeting or two or 47 <laughs> and think what then what the what's the next smartest thing to do how about louis see if patrick will do it okay but Strange New Worlds is like you know, in the words of an old Blueproof mutual series, because the public needs it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that, that. You know, that arrived in a box out over the transom. You know, here, do this next, dummies.
1: Yeah, okay. I suppose it was almost like live market research, really, wasn't it? It was what are people responding to, especially with social media these days. It's so much easier to see what fans are enjoying. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the danger of that though is that in some senses you get your vocal minorities as well and, and and it can be deceptive. It can it can that that can be an issue as well where um I mean obviously you've mentioned trolls and the certain uh, voices that maybe can can be amplified, you know. But I think they definitely yeah. made the right decision. Um I think they've, they've you know they've I, I I I guess personally I've always felt if you're responding to positives that's always a good place to start. Rather than uh, negatives? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It does it does kinda take you back to like I was you asked me a minute ago about about um things not to be happy with about Discovery and uh, the visuals. And even though they've retconned a lot of things, and you notice that they completely got away from using the the, the magical mystery holocombs where I know what the furniture is in the place where I'm shooting my projection. That was, <laughs> that was like where it got ridiculous. It's like, how do you know there's a chair there? Is there a chair? Is there a Starfleet regulation that all holocom viewers are going to have a chair <laughs> one meter and two centimeters over from the projector booths? Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, Kind of thing, but we're going to be revisiting. You know, like I was disappointed. People thought it is. It's a beautiful set, but to think that the bridge of the Enterprise that we see at the end of Discovery season two is the Enterprise that bridge that Kirk and Spock have. You know, a few years later, we're all we're splitting the hairs here about. Well, this is a this is an experimental bridge that uh <laughs> you know the bridge modules swap out. So um, I mean, you know, people are getting contorted. I think we're going to have to eventually move. I've got a theory. That rather than retconning um, all this, if we really are going to have a flood of New Age, uh, you know, shows set like this, even though Trials and Tribulations and Inner Mirror Darkly and Relics mm-hmm. uh, all treated the 60s look as gospel, as, as canon, you know, whether it was a time travel or it was a holodeck recreation or whatever, I think we're going to have to eventually just say that pull a pull a galaxy uh, pull a uh, galaxy quest yeah and that that was the that was the broadcast adventures of you know yeah. people go there um, people go there sentimentally but the look of the the high tech 2017 look for everybody because we have to accept it that's going to be like the reality of it it would it would blend into the motion picture uh refit era a little easier yeah, I think we're just going to say those three years are going to wind up being the minority, and as the generation or two or three that grew up with that, as that's gospel, as that generation physically ages, which is happening already, and is gone from active fandom, that we'll just have to say that that's, um, that was the kiddie version yeah. you know, for public consumption, I guess.
1: Well, I guess that's it, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, there are people who will not have experienced anything other than... What, what they've seen come out new in the past few years that's been all they've probably seen um, you know that's yeah. their entire experience of it and and obviously to kind of take this background to the fan film um area there's you know there, there, uh, fans and um professionals have come together and produced um shows that actually have like you you can kind of have your cake and eat it here because um you know the, the production values of some of the fan fan shows I've watched were so good. That, oh yeah, you know, yes. I, especially the very, very end of Star Trek continues when the the Enterprise is coming back to Earth and the trans begins to transition into the the uh, motion picture sort of visual. Um, I could, uh, you know, so easily look at that and and accept that and think, well, I can still. There's there's kind of a Star Trek out there for everybody, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Um it's one of the things as the years have gone by that I've tried to preach about is just not everybody. You always remember your first and you can't, and that applies to star Trek too. Uh You always remember your first and you can't take that away from people and everybody, but the mistake people made is assume that if you came to fandom in, in uh 2020 or, or 2000 or 1990 or 1980, you know, or 1970, um that 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 stay it's it's a it's a status quo thing that it stays stagnant you know so, no the world evolves around the culture around you your 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 age frame you were molded by the time and the place you grew up in right you were re- and the offense of that world that affected you mm-hmm. whether it was a war or it was a technology uh burst or it was a depression you know an economic downturn or a terrorist attack, and all kinds of things. And they, they affect the pop culture, they affect the media, they affect the... So if you're t- especially, well, writing too, words on a page, but if you're affected by all that as you grow, things change. And, and you know, younger generation, newer, not so much younger generations, but newer, which by definition is younger, but it's it's a little more uh less aged sounding but everybody you can't help but be raised in the cauldron of the big picture and then you're you know what's happening with your family your parents the the world right in your town or your you know your state your country all of that's going to affect everybody's perception and over time you're talking about a 50 something year old franchise now that's all going to be affected we can't we can't do it we can have fun with that so the fandom, I just try to remind people that, look, you know, it's what's the line, Uh, newer, younger, younger people, younger minds, Kirk's line to Scotty, um, new ways, new minds, something mm-hmm. that's going to happen and just, you know, a- embrace and adapt it. It's not just not to take away from everybody's memories and sentiments and favorites but you can't you can't be the you know the shouty old man on your yard yelling at the kids all the time about everything you can but that's not also to say that you back down and you just go vanilla or you just you know you 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 have what you enjoy but you can learn a lot just like all this just like the Star Trek writers came from fans you can learn a lot by seeing what's happening now and the biggest thing is just in our own lives we're not we're not 15 forever hopefully we are 25 then we're 35 then we're you know, we're a kid with no responsibilities, and then we're a student with heavy responsibilities, and then we're single and young with income, and then we get married, and then we get unmarried, and then we maybe have a kid or two, and maybe have a grandkid or two, and we have friends. You know, our life experience changes, and we see our Star Trek in different ways, and that's a really long, convoluted way to say that, um, you know, everybody doing a rewatch of a show they haven't watched in 20 years is amazing. You know, you see people online talking about, oh, my God, I haven't watched GS9 since it was on. And this Mm -hmm. is a totally different show that I remember when I was a kid, griping about how I couldn't keep up with the shows if I missed one. (laughs) Well, it's a whole new media paradigm now, right? So anyway, that's been a revelation to watch people rewatch the old ones. And um, anyway, there's so much – there is so much to this that um, I just – like just – we used to laugh about when I was a kid or when I was younger, we'd say people would get into fights about something and I would say, Idik, Idik, everybody, you know. Yeah. Still love it. And it's like that times a thousand now with with social media and new media and people bumping heads that don't even know each other from around the world online or watching new shows, you know, new... Anyway, it's it's funny just to go back and go, well, you know, the core of Star Trek was supposed to be about acceptance and, um, you know, not just toleration, but celebration of differences.
1: Uh-huh. Well, for the non-Star Trek fans, Edick, um it's infinite diversity and infinite combinations, isn't it? That's the Vulcan yeah. yes. phrase? Sorry about that. Yes.
2: yes. Uh, infinite diversity, infinite combination,
1: yes. Yeah, I, I I do find that myself, actually, you know, when you see some of the conversations around not just Star Trek, but other, you know, there are other franchises where there's big debates going on and you think to yourself, I don't really understand how someone could be drawn to it if they are not um, in tune with the very core idea. You know, the core idea, that, as, yeah, you, as you've said. I've, I've, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people mystified that how, how really hardcore right
2: wing conservatives can be big Star Trek fans. And they are. It's a minority, I think, but I'm still mystified that. Uh, and, and even taking away the troll factor. The whole troll and bot factor is it's a fact of modern life and people trying to just so dis. it's like, it's a backhanded compliment to star Trek that it's enough of a public factor in discourse, just out in public, that it's something that can be disrupted and cause, you know, discord in people's lives because they're passionate about star Trek, just like it was politics or, or sports in some kind. And you can get in and if you're, if you're trying to cause mischief and you just want to come in and gin people up, um, you know, you can do it with Star Trek or Star Wars or gaming or go down the line, you know, a superheroes uh, movies, you know, Marvel and DC, whatever. Yeah. So Yeah. So good on Star Trek. It's big enough in culture that it can be affected by people wanting to sow discord with paid bots and trolls. And we have to be alert to that just like we are, you know, with politics and everything else. Um, even, even the passions are our everyday you know, our sports and passions and hobbies and things, they're going to take that away from us too. And so we just have to be on that's part of modern life too. But, um, there've always been people that had a, I always called them the loud 10%. It's just easier when you got your circle of Star Trek friends and there's one guy or one girl in the circle that you just kind of go, oh, you just roll your eyes. Oh, Freddie. Okay. Well, we love you anyway. But that's so contrarian, right? So they're out there in real life. It's just we just don't know them when it's social media and we're talking to somebody from around the world. Yeah. The bot and troll movement just takes that and amplifies it. So now we think anyone who's contrarian is automatically a troll. Even if they are a real person, it's obviously not a, just a bot. But if you're actually interacting with them and it's it's a troll, not a bot. But there's, there's still the people that have a contrarian view and they come from a sincere place. I mean, they may have been dropped on their head when they were five, <laughs> but they come from a sincere place, and I don't ever want to squelch their, their right to have an opinion, because a lot of times they will be, you know, they'll they'll line up, and they're, they're still a fan. I just go back to the thinking of, in your own little local group, there's always at least one person like that, and you all just put up with it, because you know they're a real person, right? So anyway, it's just, a, it's on one hand, it's a challenge if you're going to be online and be you know twittering and facebooking along but it's just one of those things that we just get we get used to just like taking off our shoes well we do taking off our shoes in an airport at the tsa
1: gates now or whatever mm. and whatever we'll have to do for coronavirus going forward you know something different well that's just a, what... a whole new world in itself isn't it yeah. completely changed existence as uh, has been upon us for how long now what eight weeks two months roughly yeah <laughs> talk about a paradigm. Yeah. Um, Not quite the thunderbolt that, say, for
2: Americans 9-11 was and for the world, but uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, it certainly changed things completely. Uh, uh, you know, br- uh, uh, everybody's having to interact online, um, which probably is a bit of a powder keg with certain things because nobody's got anything else to do. There's a lot of people who are maybe furloughed <laughs> from work, and you know they, they've got too much time on their hands to talk or to yep. to espouse their views.
2: Which, on the other hand, is why Strange New Worlds Thundercut. You know, I, in a practical way, with all the big conventions going down, this was probably going to be San Diego Comic Con news. I'm just going to guess. Hmm. And so, without that, without that as an event, then um, here we are. They, you know, found a good time to release it, and it sure perked up a lot of spirits. Definitely, definitely. You think.
1: I mean I, you know, um some of the visual continuity aside you know, um uh I certainly as discovery went on, I enjoyed it and I would look forward to more from that from that universe. I think you know, my my particular criticisms would have been similar to, you know, the stickler for the visual continuity rather than than other criticisms. Um but you know, you can always go and watch, you know, there's plenty of other material out there that exists mm-hmm. that that absolutely hits that spot perfectly um to the point where you could you know half look at it and it you might as you know you could be fooled into believing you're watching something that was produced in the 60s or in the 70s or in the 80s or whatever era um so um with this general state of Star Trek then you, do you think it's in a healthy place going forward or do you think that there's a lot of kinks that need to be ironed out then or what where, where do you see it in say 5 years time
2: Well, I just say, number one, I, we just got through 12 years of what I call the fallow times (laughs) when we had no new Star Trek. And I keep saying that and I say that thinking, okay, well, there were the Kelvin movies, but those were always once it became apparent that they, uh, that they didn't care. I mean, maybe they did later on, but out of the gate, I had an interview with Bob Orsi a year after Star Trek 09. And it was when they said they didn't really have a, clue about doing TV or even doing an animated series, it's like, well then how is this how is the Kelvin universe going you know, the JJ verse, how is that going to catch on? If you're just gonna do a two hour movie three or four times until the contracts get old and the actors get old of playing these characters as movie you know, movie star actors who have a career interest broadly and they're not invested in playing a character for seven years, you know, in a series uh, it's a different paradigm and and a producer and a director that don't care about doing this forever. if you're not going to build a franchise figuratively and literally then then this is just going to go away and it was It was like treading water, it kept it alive, a lot of good brought in a ton of new fans, kept at least some updated mainstream look at Star Trek going in the public eye, and especially in a world that was you know being swallowed up by Marvel and d c and the Return of Star Wars and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um um uh, for all intents and purposes it was a fallow time for real Star Trek, which is what we are seeing now. And even with the debates about what's going on and even as they it took a while for the leadership teams to shift in and, and, and created visuals and for the new makers which happens every time there's a startup after a gap of Star Trek. It takes the new people time to get their act together and to learn how to listen to the fan base and and to yeah, fear them at times. But mainly yeah, like every like I said, everybody we can all be rowing the same direction here. We don't have to fight over the over the oars, right? Mm-hmm. everybody you're paddling the same direction, everything goes much better. Fans are happier, studios make more money, make more star trek. it's what a concept it's a win win, and we're getting to that point now. It's always rough out of the gate, so no i making new Star Trek is much better than not making any new star trek and it's it's on the improvement, and there are lots of talented people. there are lots of people who are these people that say it's all being made by people who aren't fans, that's just BS. There's tons of old school fans and they're getting savvy enough to start doing, to hit in the sweet spots, you know, whether that's stunt casting or that's who is being invited in to help design or to help write. So no, we're in such a much better place and it's going to get nothing, but there'll be some missteps. There'll be some, you know, there'll be some landmines. You can't, it's human beings. You can't help that. But I'm just excited to see the – we haven't said anything about the animated series. For all the people that are worried that the whole Star Trek demo is going to age out of existence, we're going to start – if we can start getting the six-year-old and the eight-year-old kids and the 12-year-old kids back into Star Trek without it being you know, like truckies reproducing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we can do that, we can start selling Star Trek action figures at the Targets and the Walmarts and the and the Tescos, I guess, yep. of Ooh. the world again. If we can start doing that. Then we'll really be, you know, back. So I'm excited for all the two new animations and and animated series and all that coming.
1: Yeah, same here. I mean, honest to goodness, there's so many things that you would almost need two or three hours on a, on a discussion to to go through everything, wouldn't you? And even yeah. then, you wouldn't be able to. Um, so I think um, we're probably getting to the point where I think you've got you've got uh, a, a bit of a schedule going on. So I don't want to impede on that too much.
2: I, I was going to say I really going to have to jump off to a live thing. So. Um, so, but this has been, I, I apologize for shortening in conversation, but this has been, this has been great. This has been more philosophical and meta and that's, that's a welcome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's been great. I, I oh, always enjoy it, uh, On all my, all my, pro, you know, whether it's Facebook live or it's, uh, or it's anything I'm doing now, we're doing Corona things, life support live on Saturdays yep. with my friend, Dr. Ali, which is Star Trek and mental health, which is a lot of fun and hopefully helpful. And then just back to the old fanboy stuff of uh, of nonfiction Friday, which is we're looking at the classic nonfiction books because no one else is. And I really want to bring them to not so much all the old farts who enjoyed them, but all, a whole all the new generation that has no idea how much those those landmark books affected fandom and affected what you see on screen today. I, I love that. But you know the basics that I've did, and the Trek Files podcast from Roddenberry, which I love and. And my Portal 47 business, which is, like I said, Minicon all year long. Um, I love it. We have people worldwide in that. And God willing, when we're all able to be out and about again, my Trekland Treks uh, location tours around L.A. for film sites. When, when you come to L.A. and you have a day or two on vacation or business of doing that. So all the things that's kind of evolved now, this new era we're in, um, you know, being virtual is something that Portal 47 was all about five years ago. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch the rest of the world catch up, but uh, it's it's you know of all the things I've done over the years and uh, who I've worked for, and now I'm working for me mainly, I guess. That's been an evolution too, just as much as watching Trek fandom and and Star Trek itself. So it's it's it is an exciting time to get back to your last question, and I it's um I you know
1: it's nowhere but up. It's far better than where we were ten years ago. Don't you think? I'd I'd say I'd say certainly in terms of of uh of of that that angle on it. I, I think um, the only thing I'd complain about is being stuck on lockdown. Apart from that, it's been great. Yeah. Apart from yeah. that, um. But yeah, but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Obviously, um, you know, it would be great to carry on the conversation in the future. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, obviously can't thank you thank you enough for taking time out to to chat with me and to give our, our two listeners that we probably have the chance to hear um some insight from yourself. So it's uh, let's
2: let's get you three at
1: least. Yeah. Okay. Well if we if we can get three, yeah, that'll be a I'll have a celebration in here. Um that'll be a big party. Party of one. <laughs> um, well one of
2: these days when I'm over, uh we'll have or you're over this way when we're all travelling again. We'll we'll definitely uh make a go of it and, and have one or two.
1: Sounds good to me. Definitely. As as a Scotsman, it's definitely in my blood, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um well thank you very much. And um for everybody who's listening, if you want to um go and follow Larry on Twitter at Larry Nemichek. Um I, I believe is it Larynemichek dot com. Your website yes, as that's well. Yes, a good hub. Yep. yep. Um, yep. and uh, you know, I think you're you're active just about everywhere. Um, these days. So, um, and and obviously you've mentioned all the the different projects you were working on. So check them out, everyone. Um, and I will be diving back into those as well
0: after we've finished here. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot, Francis. Trek well.
0: You too. Thank you very much. And that concludes our interview special with Larry Nemechik. As mentioned before, I thought it was a fantastic interview. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did and thanks again to larry for giving up his time to do that as well that was very very much appreciated and also to fran you know he was he was decent yeah he was fine we might might have him do that again yeah okay so that's the end of the captain's log project again as it uh, for for the foreseeable the regularly or sorry the irregularly scheduled bond podcast the bond AF project will continue the next episode The World Is Not Enough film review will be uploaded next week. I will not commit to that with a date because let's face it, I'm going to miss it. Okay, until then, cheerio, bye bye.